Hey, hey, welcome back to Bullpen Sessions. My name is Andy Neary. Each week, I sit down with abundant thinkers who are kicking ass in life. And we deconstruct the formulas they have used to have success in business and in life to help you unpack your life, your business, so you can do the same. So put a smile on, grab a pen and a paper, get ready to take a ton of notes because you, my friend, are about to go on a wild ride. Here we go. Hey, hey, welcome back to Bullpen Sessions. This week, I am sitting down with Nada Nasruddin. Nada is the founder of Rise Up For You, an organization dedicated to helping corporations enhance company culture. Nada is a TEDx speaker, a certified confidence coach, a corporate trainer, a former college professor, and she has mentored almost 50,000 people in her career. Why not? She was an executive as young as age 27, and she found herself overseeing and managing 200 employees. So Nada knows what it means to treat people like people. And that's what we're talking about today, all things people. Right now, it's about humans connecting with humans. And your ability to lead and manage people and treat them as people is more important today than it ever has been. In fact, as Nada says, the companies that are going to survive moving forward are those organizations that are people-centered. At the end of the day, it's about serving humanity through focusing on the most essential component, people. And I'm excited to share that Nada just had a new book come out this past Saturday, Rise Up For You. I'm going to share the link in the show notes. Go get a copy of it today. In this episode, we also talk about EQ, what it is and why it is so important in your organization and how it will lead to success. And we also talk about Nada's four pillars of emotional intelligence, self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and relationship management. So grab a pen, grab a piece of paper, Put your seatbelt on. We're about to go for a fun ride. This is going to be a great episode to help you learn what it means to treat people like people and create that human connection all of us are craving so much for right now. All right, here we go. Shift your mindset. Netta Nasruddin, welcome aboard. Thank you. Great job with the name. You nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> it's practice. You taught me well. All right, Netta, where are you? Where are you in the world today? Well, right now I'm in Orange County, California. Yes. Which is where you also reside, correct? It is, yes. This cool. is where I live and this is where I spend most of my time. Cool. Well, Ned, I'm excited for this conversation because I think, uh, you know, it, we're going to hit upon two topics that blend together, but I think are very pertinent, especially with the time period in history that we are going through. One, leadership, mm -hmm. and number two, culture. And so yeah. why don't you, for the audience who has no idea who Netta is, Take us back, uh, you seem, it sounds like your journey, your career has been definitely surrounded by leadership. Yes. And this is kind of what flows through your blood. So take us back to your early days in your career, your journey, and kind of a little bit what makes Netatech. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's been a really cool and fun journey. So I actually started as a performer. So I used to tour the world internationally and sing and dance, similar to Broadway. Um, I think I did about 11 tours, but most of them were overseas. So Japan, Germany, Russia, Spain, Gibraltar. Um, and that's really what spawned my interest in what I like to call like the people skills. 
because a lot of the challenges that we were facing um, as a touring company, it had nothing to do with our product, right, or the singing and the dancing, but it was really about, you know, the 40 cast members that were traveling together. Um, it was about, you know, the different cultures and the different people that we were meeting and really understanding how to communicate effectively and have a good culture within those months that we were on tour. So when I came back, I decided to get my master's degree in, in leadership and I became an executive and a professor simultaneously. And I saw the same challenges happening. So when I was an executive, I was 27 years old. I had 200 um, employees under me and the same things were happening. So lots of struggles within the company that really just came down to the people. It came down to the culture. It came down to the environment that we were creating. And it was from both sides. So being able to nurture a positive company culture as executives from the top, but also like individuals showing up and how they showed up and what was their emotional intelligence? Were they showing up confidently? You know, how were they interacting with their other team members? So that that's really what spawned everything that I do today, which is now I'm an entrepreneur. I run my own company called Rise It For You. We have a, a great team of 10 here in California and we're happy to do the work we do. That's awesome. We're going to get into Rise Up for you in a little bit because I definitely want people to understand, uh, learn a little bit more about what that program is. It's really cool. You bring up something that just it hit me as you said it. When you think of culture, you're a performer. You you just happen to be on a stage. I think about performing on the athletic field, right? Yeah. And how easy is it for a performance? So you talk about your your traveling team for the show, and a team in sports to make it look like they're such a team on the field or on the stage, but it is just complete cultural chaos in the locker room or behind the scenes, right? Yeah. And yeah. so it, it can be, it's kind of like the Instagram world we live in today, right? Like everything can look great, but at the end of the day, if you really dig into it, it's kind of a mess. It is, and also, be, and I'm sure you can resonate with this, is that everyone's work ethic is different. Yes. So even if you're on the same team, right, you all might've made the team or we all made the cast, right? But even in that, you all work differently. You all communicate differently, right? So I would say confidently that in my cast of 40, I probably had the top work ethic out of those 40 that were already chosen for the cast, right? And yep. so then you run into some of those things of, okay, if I'm going to go on stage and I'm going to give my 100% as a singer and a dancer, you better show up the same way. <laughs> You know, so, and, and it's the same with, with, you know, athletics. It's like, if I'm going to be on that field, if I'm going to do this, then you got to bring the same game. And so, you know, just a lot of that, a lot of that communication and emotional intelligence and understanding how to work with one another and also how to remove expectations on others too, which is super hard to, I mean, that's like another five hour conversation. Yeah. Placing your expectations on others can be a dangerous slope. But yeah. even, again, it's, it's such a great point with it. You think about, again, whether it's performing on stage in Broadway or in sports, if you're going to bring your A game, you're, you better make sure your teammates aren't taking plays off, you know, quote unquote. Yeah. So it's so yeah. important. I mean, culture obviously is a hot button right now. Um, wasn't, what, three, four months ago we went into lockdown. Company cultures, uh, it became a challenge to try to maintain culture at that point. But I also believe... And I'd love your thoughts on this. You know, those organizations that may be experiencing cultural issues due to the lockdown were probably experiencing cultural issues well before COVID ever hit. You agree or disagree with that? 100%. 100%. It's just magnified, right? So, and you're absolutely right. So, some of the companies and even the ones that we work with here, 
if they didn't have a positive culture beforehand or things were starting to fall apart, then they really fell apart once COVID hit. Yeah. But if they did have a positive culture or if they did things with their team, like team engagement and development, then COVID just brought them together more, right? Unfortunately, like, and we do this naturally as human beings, not just companies, but as individuals, we don't typically sit in preventative mode. Do you know what I mean? We wait for things to hit the fan and then we go into reactionary mode and that's where things get dangerous and that's where company culture falls apart. And we wait until, you know, there's a complaint or an HR before we take any action. But really like company culture and emotional intelligence and all these things we're going to talk about, they need to be cultivated on a daily basis mm. for instances like this that happen. When we do hit tragedy, when we do have trauma, we're prepared. I had a similar conversation with a friend of mine who I had on. Actually, it was my first podcast interview, Dylan Ali. And we were talking about mindset and how we, we were joking about the, the cold shower routine that we yep. both have. And he said something that I never thought about, but why he does the cold shower is it, if you can get to the point in the shower where it's no longer makes you go, <gasps> you're just in it and you're breathing normal it's the same thing you just said about culture how many yeah. people who probably weren't operating with an effective culture before covid hit all of a sudden were like <gasps> and they didn't know how to react whereas those who were in preventive mode have been working on culture every single day yeah this impacted them but not like other organizations 100 so give, give me a couple examples because in your work with rise rise up for you you're doing a lot of a lot of work with both individuals and businesses and especially with businesses on culture do you have a couple examples where, you know, organizations right now when COVID hit, how they were able to really maintain a high level of, of corporate culture or business culture in a, in a very positive way? Yeah, that's a really great question. I mean, I think the first thing is reaching out and recognizing that something does have to be done. So the companies that are surviving right now are the ones that are people centered meaning that they understand that their product and the efficiency of their company is very, very heavily dependent on the people, right? And so you can't do one without the other. And so when COVID hit, the companies that were doing it right were the ones that were saying, what do our people need right now so that they continue to be effective, so that they can continue to help grow our business, so that our, our company doesn't collapse and the culture doesn't collapse. Those are the companies that were doing it right. Those were the companies that were calling Rise Up for you and saying, we need help. We need help with our people to help them manage the stress. We need to figure out how we can work remotely and support our team at the same time. So it was really about like, how do we get our team to be efficient, to be productive and to help them find purpose and performance so that we can continue to grow. The companies that weren't doing so well were the ones that were like, how do we make money? How do we save the bank account? How do we... <laughs> How do we and do again, that? And again, could we, uh, could we agree that that's probably, that was their mindset well before COVID hit as well. Yes, yes. And so when we focus on, when we understand that our people are behind the product and we serve the people which can then serve the product, that's when great stuff starts to happen. And, and that's what we encourage. And that's what we do here, you know, with Rise Up For You is, is we work on the, I mean, people are behind every company, right? They have feelings. They go through health issues. They have families. There's all these things that are happening along with their career. And so the more that we can help them build these essential tools and communication and efficiency and time management and productivity, 
the more they're going to be able to manage their career, the more they're going to be able to be their best in the company, which ultimately at the end of the day, that's what a CEO wants. They don't want employees that are only giving 10% of their potential. It's a waste of money, right? If I'm now thinking from like the executive brain. We want all of our employees and all of our team members to show up and give everything they have and be their best. The only way they're going to be able to do that is by learning these foundational skills and really having that positive culture that enhances it. That's awesome. That is, what you just said was <laughs> spot on. I mean, let's transition for a second because we're talking about the culture, right? And, and typically culture is often, I don't want to say set by leadership, but you know, leadership is a whole different conversation right now. And yeah. it's kind of like the culture where a lot of leaders got exposed with when COVID hit, when we went into lockdown, you had to work from home. But again, it was probably because there was always a gap in that leadership well before COVID hit. Where do you see, maybe you don't have an answer for this, but where do you see leadership getting exposed today in this new normal, as I put air quotes around it, like it has never been before? So where I see it getting exposed or, or getting multiplied, I think really comes down to the emotional intelligence and it's that leaders also carry stress, okay? And so the leaders that don't have high emotional intelligence, you're gonna see them react faster, make decisions that are irrational. They're gonna be overly stressed because again, they're people as well. So yeah. this is where you're really gonna see the humanity in leaders, okay? Which isn't a bad or good thing, it just is. And so this is where you're gonna be able to see, is my leader, like, do they know how to manage their stress and deal with the company, right? Do they know how to pivot? Do they know how to adapt? Do they know how to coach and mentor when I'm not sitting right in front of them? So this is where all either the strengths or the weaknesses are gonna come out. And so that's why, again, that emotional intelligence is so important because leaders have to have it in order to pass it on. And so if your leader is really stressed or if your leader can't manage things, guess what? It's going to trickle down and then everybody else is going to feel the same thing. So, I mean, I've had companies and, and professionals that work with us one-on-one -on -one that have said, like, they are so stressed at work because of leadership, because they don't know how to manage. And they're throwing, and then I've also had professionals that are saying, it's amazing. I, I will forever work for this company because of how they're dealing with the situation, how calm they are. They're sending us like toilet paper. They're doing all these things just to keep us happy, to keep us together, to keep us calm. And that is, and who, who does it? It comes from the top, right? See, it, it sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? If you want good company culture, <laughs> people want to work at. Yeah. And yeah. a place where people feel valued. Yes. You, know, you, you, made me, you remind me of my days in baseball because up until I, I got to pro ball, I was a captain on every team I was a part of. And I always look at captains, leadership, right, as, as two different types. There's the rah-rah the people who just use their leadership role to get people excited, but then there's people who lead by example, who maybe don't get the rah-rah, let's get ramped up, but I'm just, I want you to watch how I do things and then just emulate that, right? And you bring up, you brought up a really good point because if a leader during this time is struggling, your team is always watching you, right? Mm -hmm. And they're gonna take on the characteristics you are taking on yourself. And I think more than ever, it's important that leaders lead by example, not just by title. Right, right. And so I want to go somewhere where I know you love going, and that is you brought up emotional intelligence. Mm 
Yes. yes. And we talk about the term EQ all the time. Right. And I think people know what EQ is because they've heard it, but what, what is, now to go into EQ, what is it, yeah. why is it important? Let me dive into it. Let me give like an EQ 101 as fast as I yes, can. please. <laughs> and you're right. And, and this is the hardest thing is that our leaders are people. And that's why it's challenging, right? So it sounds easy, but the reality is, is that like every CEO, every executive, every decision maker, every leader, they're also people. And they bring their own limiting beliefs, baggage, like all kinds of stuff with them into that leadership role. So when we talk about emotional intelligence, again, it's that buzzword that we hear that most people really have no idea what it is. But emotional intelligence, in short, it's comprised of four pillars, okay? The first two have to do with the self, and the second have to do with how I communicate and work with other people. So the first pillar is self-awareness, okay? Now, now keep in mind that under each pillar, we have a total of 18 competencies under that, okay? So the first pillar is self-awareness. Under that pillar alone, we have emotional awareness, accurate self-assessment, and self-confidence. Those right there we can sit and talk about for another probably week. You know, just having self-confidence, understanding your emotions, being aware of your own emotions and like conscious to them, and then having accurate self-assessment, meaning that the way you see yourself is actually the way that other people see yourself see right how many times have i know for me you know people have said or my brothers or whatever oh you're so stubborn and i'm like no i'm not no i'm not and then by the 15th person i'm like maybe i am stubborn (laughs) (laughs) so that's the accurate self-assessment so first pillar self-awareness yes second pillar is self-management this is where we saw some of the loopholes during COVID-19, which we're still in as we're speaking, because self-management has to do with how do I manage my stress? How do I manage the emotions that I have? But it's also the internal motivation that I have. Like, am I intrinsically motivated just because? Not because I go to work and make a paycheck, not because I work in a cubicle with other team members, not because of anything external. It's just you wake up in the morning and you're motivated to go. And that's that self-management piece, right? It's integrity. So what you do behind closed doors is what you do in public. You're the same person, right? And like being honest. So that's all under self-management. So I always say that the difference between self-awareness and self-management is Self-awareness, you know that the ice cream is bad for you. You know if you eat the ice cream, it's going to hurt your tummy. Self-management is, can I prevent myself from eating it anyway, right? Most of the time, we're like, I'm going to do it, and then we deal with the consequences later. So that and it's, those are just the first two pillars, okay? Now, we can't get to pillar three and four unless we do a lot of work here, which means we have to break some beliefs. We have to have conversations with ourselves. Why do I feel this emotion? Why is this emotion getting me to feel this way and to react this way, okay? Then we go into pillar three, which is social awareness. So this is empathy. Being able to understand other individuals, put yourself in their shoes, hear their perspective. Social awareness also means that you can walk into an organization, you can walk into a company, you can walk on the playing field or on stage in front of 10,000 people and know how to read a room because you've built that social awareness where you can feel the energy, you can see who the decision makers are, what's the flavor of the space. And then the fourth pillar is relationship management. And this is all things leadership. 
So this is coaching, mentorship, the ability to influence, the ability to be relatable, being solution oriented, being able to manage conflict within a team. But as you can see, as a leaders, a lot of times, and I've been a leader in this position. When I first became an executive at 27, this is what I did. I jumped straight to pillar four. It's like, I'm going to coach you. I'm going to mentor you. I'm going to be the best leader ever. But I didn't do the work on pillar three, which was showing empathy and social awareness. I didn't do the self-management work, and I didn't do the self-awareness work. So guess what happened? I got pushback. I got pushed back and I got surveys that rated me low as a leader. And then I had to like have that rude awakening of, I got to make some shifts in me so that I can effectively lead a team. So what I'm hearing you say, so I'm going to, I'm going to repeat these four pillars again. We've got self-awareness, we've got self-management, social awareness and relationship management, but it's kind of like a game. You can't get to step two without completing step one. Right. Step because two, how can you lead, right? Yeah. How can you coach and lead a team? if you can't coach and lead yourself. And that's what we forget, but we also forget that as leaders, if we can't manage ourselves and we're not self-aware, then when a team member says something that triggers us, as a leader, we're gonna respond back in an irrational way. Or we might get mad at an employee, or we might play favorites, or we might make decisions that aren't healthy for the team or the company, but they stem from our self-management and our self-awareness. But if we're not self-aware, then we're going to show up with our team in a way that's not going to be healthy, right? So I'll give you an example. When I was 27 years old, one of the things that I really did not like is when a team member, right, or an employee that was under me in the chain of command would negate me in front of the rest of the team, right? So if I'm holding a meeting and I'm saying something as an executive and then somebody raised their hand and said, but why are we doing that? Just that one question would trigger me. Right. And that's where the self-management comes in. And I wasn't conscious to it. I would just, because I said, so I'm the leader. This is the decision I made. That's it. Right. Like that. <laughs> and then when I did that work and I'm like, why does that bother me? Why does it bother me when a team member questions me or does this or does th that's where the one and two come in where I have to do the work and figure out, ah, it's because I feel like I'm not enough or maybe I shouldn't be in this role or maybe they're trying to put me down. And like, I had to work through all of that. Well, now today, when somebody asks me a question, I'll say, thank you for asking that question. Let me explain a little bit more. And I show up completely differently as a leader. Yeah, I think we can all, all agree, whether you're a leader or not, you're, the way you perceive others is often what, based on what's going on inside right now. Mm -hmm. So do you think, you know, given what's going on in our environment today as a leader, where you are being tested probably more than, than ever before, I mean, leadership all the way to the top of our country, right? Is there one of those pillars that tends to, to, to become more of a gap than others? Definitely the self-management piece. Okay. It is the self-management piece because if we're not conscious to it, so here's how I like to, here's how I like to visualize it for people is that think of it as a rubber band. Okay. So this is the experience that's happening. Okay. And then this is your emotional response. Okay. If our rubber band is short, then when the experience happens, our emotion is going to respond right away. We're going to respond straight away, irrationally, with only emotion, which isn't healthy most of the time, okay? The more we can build that self-management and that self-awareness, then the longer the rubber band gets, and then we can drop logic right in the middle. We can drop logic in there. So now we have more space from the experience and the emotional reaction. We put logic right in the middle and then we can say, 
Okay, we could take that pause. And now we can figure out how should I respond to this? That doesn't mean that we can't share our emotions. It just means that we're combining the head and the heart. Netta, you heard Netta say it, guys. When the rubber band is tight and it snaps, it hurts. <laughs> it does hurt. <laughs> rubber band. Let's, I want to ask you this question because I think one reason leaders, you know, especially the younger leader, think about yourself when you were 27 years old, executive on the fast, fast track to the top, right? I think a lot of leaders have been thrown off track right now because guess what? Um, COVID wasn't in the business plan. Right. Racial injustice wasn't in the business plan. Right. And so right now they thought, man, I just got to follow this plan to get to where I want to go. If you, that leader is listening in right now where they were thrown for a loop here, what advice, what steps, one or two steps might you give that leader today to really figure out how to adapt for what leadership's going to look like moving forward? I would say transparency and trust. Transparency and trust. So one of the biggest things that we've seen with leaders right now, and we're working, we've been working nonstop during this whole time just because the nature of what's happening in the world worked with the company, right? One of the biggest things that we're seeing right now is a lack of transparency as a leader. You know, your team trusts you more and they build relationships and they connect to you more when you say, as a leader, I've never been through this. As a leader, I'm feeling stressed because I have loved ones at home as well. You know, my parents are sick, so I'm doing my best to figure these things out with you. Be patient with me. If anybody has any ideas that they wanna share, I'm open to hearing. It's just having that vulnerability and that transparency as a leader that's really important because again, we have to remember on the flip side now, like as employees, that our leaders are also people. So there's always gotta be a handshake, but the more that the leader can lead by example and say, hey, like I'm, I'm struggling right now as well. I'm doing the best that I can. As soon as I get any information, I'll share it with you guys. If you have ideas, if there's things that you wanna to bring to the table, let's let's have an open forum let's talk about it because nobody's been through this in our lifetime yeah exactly again we don't have a playbook for this right. <laughs> so i love that you use the word vulnerability because that to me is so important today mm -hmm. if you're at the top you're leading a team or an entire organization you don't have to have this shield of armor it's okay to say you know what i'm struggling a little too yeah so I, I'm so glad. I hope everybody heard that. It's so important today. It's something I stress with my coaching clients. Guys, it's okay to show vulnerability once in a while. People need to see it right now. Oh, yeah. Because they can relate to it, you know? Yes. Especially the workforce today. Like, I don't know if you know this, but we have about 50% of the workforce is millennial and iGen. Okay? Yep. And we're not putting them in a box, right? But the last two generations, they're more purpose-driven and they're more, they connect more with reality, with real things, right? When they see that these human skills and the human side of people. And so when you're able to do that as a leader, then the millennials, the iGen, they can connect with you. They relate to you because that's what they're hungry for and that's what they want. Well, and that could be a whole different podcast episode if we wanted to. As a leader, how do you, how do you lead? <laughs> the, right? the generational difference. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the dilemma of the century. Tell us a little bit about Rise Up For You. Yeah. Why did you start it? And what, what, what are you guys working on right now? Yeah, so in short, and I, and I know I could say this to you and, and your audience, we serve humanity through the human skills. 
So, and, and that's really what we do, right? And I know that sounds a little bit woo-hoo, but everything comes down to these human foundational skills, which is confidence, emotional intelligence, the ability to lead, lead, the ability to grow within yourself so that you can help others grow. And so we have two clients, B2B, business to business, and that's when we go in and we work with company culture and we help provide these skills for their team. Again, emotional intelligence, confidence, communication, diversity, inclusion. And then we have B2C where it's just the professional that's like, I wanna be better. I wanna be a better leader. I wanna have more career confidence, right? I wanna build these skills as a coach so that I can go out and coach and we work with them on those skills. So we have a great team and it's really these foundations. I always say that you can have all the degrees in the world, you can have all the certificates, you can have all the hard and technical skills, but if you don't have the confidence and if you don't have these soft skills, it's not gonna take you as far as you wanna go. That's awesome. There's no degree that can overcompensate for, for poor emotional skills. Correct. Mm -hmm. So I'm always curious. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna dig a little. What made okay. you start Rise Up for you? Okay, we're gonna dig, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> what made me start, okay, so, you know, as I mentioned, I was an executive, I was an executive yeah. for multiple yeah. years. And then um, one day I resigned from the company and I moved, I was making an incredible six figures, I had a house on the lake and I moved to Canada because I had gotten married. So I resigned, got rid of everything and moved to Canada. Um, and within two weeks, my husband decided he didn't wanna be married anymore. So I came back after two weeks, of course, I was crying and shattered. And I went from all of this in my head, right? Six figures, house on the lake, luxury car, executive job to $100 in two weeks. It was like shattering, like, whoa, what just happened? And got back on a plane and I just remember crying and crying and crying. I didn't even tell my mom I was coming home because I was embarrassed. And yeah. I think we all have that moment as professionals where it's like, how does an educated individual <laughs> get in this situation, right? Um, and then my father, who had passed away a few years earlier um, from a heart attack, he came to me in the airplane and he said, everything you need is already inside of you. You just have to rise up and do it. And it was in that moment that there was just like a light that went off in me that said, yeah, I mean, it's true. Like, this is a really crappy situation, but no one's going to knock on the door and give me my job back. No one's going to knock on the door and heal my heart. No one's going to do all these things for me. Like, this is the circumstance and this is the situation. So I can either sit here or I can use my pain as fuel for growth. And I understood that in that moment, the only way I was going to get to that next step or to rebuild myself is to start with me. And that's where Rise Up For You came from. And so a month later, literally, Rise Up For You was born. I had a podcast. I started interviewing exp experts from around the world. We started putting on events to, to work and inspire and empower people. It was a one-man show, obviously, in the beginning. It was yeah. just me. But I knew nothing about building a business, zero. And I mean, I just stayed up till 3, 4 a.m. Googling, like, what's a funnel system? What is, <laughs> yeah. what, what, what's a website? How do I build it? You know, and really just starting from scratch. And I'll tell you, you know, it wasn't easy and it was hard. You know, three months after I started the business, my mom was diagnosed with cancer suddenly and she died seven months later. So like within that first year of building the company, I mean, talk about resilience and emotional intelligence. I mean, it was like. Well, and you but, and I didn't even, we didn't even talk about that story 
we wow. didn't even we've never I, talked I, about I, it and you're sharing that that wow that's and, yeah. and I think it's so powerful because that person listening in that might have started might have started a business this year and had this huge loop thrown at them um resiliency is everything yeah, hundred. Well, I mean, I have many friends that started a business back in December and January, and then COVID hit, yeah. and they're like, "All of our investors, all of our money," and I'm like, "It's okay. You're gone. Yeah. It's okay. Just, just keep whatever you do. Keep your head up. Keep pushing through. Because in a year and two years from now, you'll survive it, and then you'll be stronger than when you started." Yeah. Well, as we wrap up here, I got a couple last questions for you. Number one. Um, just this last April, a couple months ago, you became a certified confidence coach. I did. Yeah. What the heck is that? <laughs> yeah, so, you know, confidence is an interesting thing because you can't, like, get a degree in it. But there's a lot of research and there's a lot of studies out there. And so I've been researching confidence for many years now, ever since I was a performer, because I wanted to know what made this performer better than the other. They had the same technique, the same skill. Okay, but why did this one get all the solos? Why did this one always land center stage? Um, and so I found a, a great institute. It's called the American Confidence Institute. And I went through that program and did a lot of coaching and hours and that kind of thing and, and came out on the other side. So, and I also am writing a book that launches in August that is very heavily researched based on confidence because there's a lot of debate about nature versus nurture when it comes to confidence, but Self-confidence is a huge success factor that every single professional needs to cultivate. Do you mind sharing the uh, title of the book? Yeah, Rise Up For You. So it's the company, Rise Up For You. And then it's Closing the Gap Between You and Your Potential. So August 15th, do yourself a favor. Go out and get Rise Up For You. If you are a leader, if you are in charge or part of creating culture within your organization, you're not going to want to miss that book. Two last questions, Netta. Yes. For that entrepreneur out there, that leader out there right now who is struggling because it's, it's easy. Let's face it. A lot of people are struggling right now here in, in the mid, midway through 2020. What advice would you give them? The best advice that I, that I gave myself, which I, which I want to pass on is that life hits all of us. Okay. Life, life is not prejudice. It doesn't decide like who's gonna get sick and who's gonna have heartbreak and who's gonna have death. We all have it at some point in our life. And the more we're able to embrace it, even though it's hard and it's dirty and it's messy, the more we're gonna be able to move forward. And so I say like, accept life in its fullest. Accept life in its fullest, even when it's hard and know that you're not alone, that you're not alone, but it's the ones that push through and it's the ones that understand that I'm going to take this and I'm going to use it as fuel that end up on the other side that are better and that have become better because of it. So if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, whether it's an organization or an individual, what's the best way to get a hold of you, Netta? Yeah, um, you can go to riseitforyou.com. All of our social media is at Rise It For You. Um, or you can also just connect with me on LinkedIn. My LinkedIn profile, Netta Nasserdine. You can message me. I'm very active on LinkedIn. I'm there all the time. Um, and I'd be happy to connect. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll send you, you know, the, the, any contact information and anybody that wants to connect, I'd be happy to. Netta, well, I just want to say thank you. I think this is a super timely conversation right now. Um, the topics of both culture and leadership <laughs> um, are both being tested in a massive, massive way right now. Like you yeah. said, none of us ever prepared for what was about to happen. It's never happened in our lifetime. So Netta, I just want to say thank you one last time for being part of this interview. This was, this was a very impactful conversation. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And, um, 
and it's okay if it's okay andy i have a whole like eq kit that's completely free i'll send you the link and anyone that's just like wants to explore emotional intelligence more either for you or your team just grab it take it and use it awesome Nada. yes i will make sure to put that in the show notes we'll put it in the link uh as well thank you again for your time this has been awesome if you were listening in again one i hope you're taking notes but I love the whole piece about uh, what is culture today? How is it going to be different in the future? And as a leader, it comes down to those four pillars of emotional intelligence, self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and relationship management. So go out, do yourself a favor, take action on knowing who you are today. And remember, when clarity and confidence collide, action happens. Go make it happen. Hey, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. If you're finding bullpen sessions to be valuable to your business and your life, do me a favor. Please go to Apple. Please subscribe. Give it a five-star rating. And if you have anybody else in your life, whether it's in your personal tribe or in your business that could also be impacted by listening to these episodes, do me a favor. Share the bullpen sessions with them. I'd be extremely grateful. And until next time, go out, make it happen today. Put a smile on your face and have some fun.